Hello and welcome to the 118th edition of Downtime Podcast with Jeremy and Elisa. Elisa, today is a very special judgment spoiler cast. And we've been waiting for this day for a very long time. Ah, uh, yeah, a couple months, actually. So let's see, the game came out June 20th, I think, June 20th, 21st. Yeah, about two and a half months of waiting for this day. I think this is the shortest time I've ever completed a Ryuga Gotoku Studio game because the last one, Yakuza Kiwami 2, took me a while. Funny enough, I think this is the longest I've ever taken with a Ryuga Gotoku game. And Yakuza 0 and 5 are both really long, but I think it took longer with this game. That's fair. I think that you probably wanted to get the most out of it, and you're probably still playing it as we speak, so... Not as we speak, no, but that, I Not am, right now, but not while you're not recording this. Not at this very <laughs> second, but I'm not going to deny that there's a lot that I'm still trying to do, such as drone racing, but that's besides the point. For sure. I was thinking we could probably talk about the plot, and then we can kind of talk about side stuff that we liked and then after that we'll talk about what we're doing right now in the game since we're both post game. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Now we're about to dive into this and if you haven't played the game yet, you should probably turn away right now and if you haven't played the game yet and you're still listening at this point then why are you listening and not playing the game? For real though, what are you doing? Go play what are you game. doing right now? Why are you even listening to this podcast? Like you should. You have ten seconds to turn around if you haven't played this game yet. This episode is titled "Judgment Spoiler Cast," so you have no excuse. And ten seconds have passed. All right, <laughs> we're, in, we're in it. We're in it. It was a mental countdown. <laughs> it was a mental countdown. Now, do you want to bring up topics? In a specific order, do you want to go by chapter? How do you how do you want to do this? I think going by chapter is too much. Or actually, let's start off first with what are your overall thoughts on the game? That's a good idea. Um, but before that, I just want to say that this is a pretty good example, and I've said this before, that this is a pretty good example of a Yakuza game series without Kiryu, and it's pretty damn good. Um, so leading with that, I would say my experience has been, has been overall positive. Um, there are some things that I didn't like about it particularly and some things that I wished it had, but my overall positive feedback would be that it has a really good, strong main character. If not, I'd say main characters and supporting characters. Uh, the story is... In classic Yakuza series fashion, classic RGG studio fashion where there's a lot of twists and turns and, um, yeah, just hard to beat villains. The game goes back to the brawler style, which it's known for, where you have two different style of movesets. And I honestly love that about these games, the whole, like, brawler fighting mechanic. Um, a lot of the side stuff is pretty cool. A lot of your favorites return. A lot of favorite mini games return, which is pretty awesome. I like how they changed out the arcade games, but I also don't like that some of my favorite games are missing. Um, I thought drone racing was pretty cool. It's not stock car racing, but it's 
still pretty decent at the same it's time. It's really addicting. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's cool to, that you can modify your drone and do all that stuff. Um, and I really like that this game is set in the same city, basically in the same Yakuza universe, because in the beginning, everyone was kind of skeptical. Or, like I was definitely interested that, you know, a detective game set in the Yakuza universe was taking place. But, you know, I had my doubts. And when I finally played it, I was enthralled. I loved every moment of it. I loved every thing about it. And I really think that this is definitely one of the, like best games in the Yakuza series. And it's not really a Yakuza main title. It's 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 a spin-off and it's a damn good spin-off. I really liked a lot of the mechanics about it. Um it was cool playing as you know, yeah, I I'll say this again, I've mentioned this before, but I would say that y- Yagami leans more towards good, like really really good. Like he's more of a really good guy. I'm not saying Kiryu's not a good guy, but I see Kiryu as more of an anti-hero in his arc whereas mm. Yagami Yagami is more of just like the good guy on the good side of the law and he wants to do what's right at all times and he'll beat the bad guys away to do it um he always has something to fight for and uh, you know there's a lot of parallels between Kiryu and Yagami um and they're both different at the same time um so yeah I, I just felt like this had a really good story overall and it was a really fun game set in a really familiar city that you can never get tired of because the city itself is a character. And I know we've kind of talked about that before. Um, so yeah, my overall thoughts, I loved it. I really, really loved this game. Uh, my, my complaints are minor, which I'll talk about later, but Elisa, I'd like to know what you think about it. It's interesting that you say Yagami leans towards good because what you'll find in Judgment is you have a lot of characters. You have a lot of characters who lean towards good. Then you have some characters who lean towards bad. And then you have a lot of characters that walk a gray area where in their mind they think they're right. And not necessarily they're right. And for example, in the case of Shono, he's not right. But the intentions that led to his career and led to what he's doing right now come from a come from a story of sadness and just trying to make the world a better place. It's like it's it's one of the biggest things that really intrigued me about the game, where all the characters had different intentions, and whether or not you objectively thought they were right or wrong they all had a reason why they were doing something except for Kuriowa that that guy sucks but everyone else had there was a rhyme to the reason even if what they were doing was wrong and it made the game and the narrative a lot more intriguing and entertaining for me yeah no i i totally agree there was definitely a better contrast with the the villains versus the the good guys and I really liked that. Um, yeah, no, I. Kuriowa was a really good bad guy. Shono was a really good bad guy because you didn't think that, you didn't think that Shono would be the main antagonist, but you didn't. Yeah, and like okay. I, I honestly, Jeremy, let's be yeah. real, dude. When you saw Shono fit like physic 
physicality-wise, I didn't think shit about Jono. Yeah, I mean, I was like, are we going to have to fight this guy? Because I really don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly, this guy's lasting to the final chapter, and he is over Kuriowa's body with with a vial and a, and a, and a cure. And it, it's just like, holy crap, this guy... This guy's going crazy right now. <laughs> so was uh, Kuriowa. He was just like, he was shot nine times and he was just laughing. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> and this other guy's like killing himself with this medicine that he created. And then I know. Kuriowa was just like, ha. so many people. Yeah, no. Um, I thought it was very poetic that, that Shono died by his own creation. I agree. I totally agree. It was a very Yakuza that- ending. <laughs> yeah, it was a very Yakuza ending. I really like that though. That was really that was really good. Yeah, that honestly sealed the deal for me and I was like, okay, this game is actually pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this game is pretty epic. There were a lot of things down the line that got me pretty convinced that this game and the story were very like definitely one of my favorite games I've played. Yeah, I I agree. It was so fun. It was just really good. I know. I really wasn't sure what I was going to think about the game when we first started. And I told you this already. I just didn't understand what Yagami's intentions were. Because the way that the story was introduced, you're just kind of like, this guy is a defense attorney. And the point of a defense attorney is that you're probably representing a murderer in the first place and you're just kind of like well if you knew that was going to happen why are you even in this career right now but it really led to revelations about Yagami's life with his parents and just how he knows that half of the cases he's going to fail and just knowing more about Japan like this game really is an example of you should probably Google the Japanese culture behind it before playing it, or because if you're so, um, if you're thinking in terms of your own culture, you might not get the storyline at all. Right. And and it was just interesting how I, I went going from I don't know what like I don't know what the point of Yagami's problem is to oh I totally get it now. No, I got you. It it definitely shaped him to be a different character over time because in the beginning you don't know if you should like this guy or not because you know he defended a murderer and then this guy that you know supposedly murdered an old man ended up murdering his girlfriend and it's just like damn dude like he can't catch a break i know i liked how yagami's character grows and how you learn more about him uh with him learning how he left the why he left being a defense attorney and being a lawyer and how he wanted to be a detective because he was more interested in the truth than anything yeah no i i totally agree i think that was very noble of him um and it kind of like made him sad that he lost that case and i guess the next best thing for him was to just help detect or i mean help defense attorneys by being a detective i know so going into so when I played this game, 
my deepest fear playing this game was that someone at Genda was on the bad side. Yeah. Because uh, cause this is a very Yakuza-esque thing to do where someone on your team was never on your team to begin with. So the whole time, I was very, I was cautiously playing and optimistic. Man, I really don't want someone on this team to be a bad guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But I'm really glad that no one on Genda was on the bad side. Yeah, I I was thinking that same thing too, but then as the story went on, I was like, there's no way that any of these people could be bad. Like, Saori-san, yeah, exactly. Saori-san was like too... I don't know. She was just too fixed and focused on doing her job properly and doing a good job at it. Um, Hoshino-kun was like, you know, he was too innocent. Genda-sensei was just, he, you can't, you can't make him be a bad guy. Like he's too pure. And Shintani-sensei, I feel like he, yeah, he was just too, too much of a morally good, um, what's it called? Wild card to be bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, I was also cautious, too, because I was like, what if Shintani turned and he became a bad guy? Because he was wearing shades indoors all the time, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> like, what are you hiding, dude? Like, come on, take those shades off. Like, you look weird. <laughs> when you, for me, when Shintani died, that's when I knew that no one in the Genda office was bad. Oh, yeah, no. Shint- Shintani was the only person who I thought could have played for the other side. But when he died, I was like, okay, okay, this is cool. Yeah, no, I also agree because he was your rival in the beginning. Um, he had, he put everything on his line to solve all these cases. And he was always like too close to danger at a cert- a lot of certain points. Like he knew a lot of really sketchy people. And yeah, no, it just was, I was just had a, Having having a feeling that he was gonna be part of the yakuza or working with them against you, but then you know when he got his eyes gouged out and he got shot, I was like, well, okay, this is this is going in a direction that I did not expect. Yeah, which was a good thing. If you think about it, on the pro on the prosecutor side, you had a direct you had a person direct with Shintani and Yagami, so. Izumita really was the Shintani of the prosecutor team where you think this guy is a bad guy, but really this guy is just in his job and he's trying to do the good thing. Sure, he's aggressive and sometimes gives you resting bitch face, but <laughs> but 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 Izumita is actually morally good, just like Shintani is. Yeah. And then Yagami, it's Mafuyu. Yeah. Yeah, Mafuyu straight up was wearing a wig in the underground gambling bar yeah <laughs> just to talk to ayabe ayabe right ayabe yeah yeah that's how and that's how you knew mafuyu was a real one by the way really like ta- a little bit of a tangent but i think it's interesting how in judgment yagami can have any kind of girlfriend he wants i've been wanting to say this for a long time because i read i read it on the discord and i was like that's actually that's a really good point. What like he has four up to four girlfriends, but the whole main storyline, you can tell that Mafuyu and Yagami are the ex-boyfriend and girlfriend that want to get back together. Yeah, they're the they're that classic trope and I was like this yeah, this screams 
that and I was just like, okay, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> there was a point where I was just like, just kiss already. I know, like they just need some time alone. Leave them be. But they didn't, which was the most surprising thing. They didn't get back together. I know, right? We And then we had like, last time we had Kiryu and he had that like little date with that girl and he's just like, damn, like, you know, it was, we had more action then than we did now, basically. Dude, well, Kaoru is the best girl. So. Oh, yeah. She's, like, the best girl in the whole Yakuza franchise. She's, she's the best girl, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought Mafuyu and Yagami's relationship was definitely, like, it was not in the way, which was a good thing, because I didn't it want- It was very professional. Yeah, no, the, the, whenever they met, it was always about work, and it was never about their personal lives. Like, they would slip in some stuff about their past together, but they never really, like, talked about it full on. You know, there wasn't a scene where they talked about their whole past or, like, why they broke up and, like, all of that in one scene. It was just, like, you know, occasionally mentioning mentioning stuff or, like, Kaito mentioning something. And, yeah, no, I like I liked that they kept running into each other as well because it's, it's a small town, you know, and they, yes. they would always find each other somehow Mm-hmm. i think it was just destiny that they would be back together again if there's a sequel we'll never know like we may find out soon enough i know right so make the sequel anyways so speaking of relationships what did you think about the hoshino-kun and saori-san relationship okay first of all hoshino-kun is it's so random, but he's one of my favorite side characters <laughs> of the game. Then again, everyone in the posse, I, I love. There's no one in the posse that I don't love. And with Hoshino-kun, and it, it, was, it was just so funny and adorable because whenever he compliments Aori-san, um, he always talks about because she's so beautiful and she's one of the smartest and most intelligent people I've ever met. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All of his compliments were about her, her character and her as a person too. Not just on the outside though. So I was just like, I'm all about the, I ship it. I ship it. Yeah. I totally ship it. I was, the whole time I was like, why, why is, what does this guy keep talking about? And then the the moment when you get her to tag along with you and force her to be a hostess, I was like, that was the, what the hell? That was the best. So there were two things about that that I loved. I loved that I loved that you got to play as her because I thought it was a really interesting mechanic. Like mid-game, you just got to change into a different character and you suddenly the main character be- and focus became Saori-san. And I was like, holy shit, this is I actually loved, really cool. I loved that you were able to switch perspectives and play with her. I thought that was really cool. It almost, it would be it would be really fun if in the next judgment we had more of that. Yeah, <laughs> she had to do it twice, which was hilarious. I know, <laughs> but and she agreed to it both times, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, and girl, in the second time, there were some points I was like, "Whoa, she's going really strong with this. She's a great actor." Yeah, she was really good at acting. I was like, "Holy shit, she's going all in." Um, so I also thought that we would play like a uh at least a a little bit of like a like a cabaret club game because like, we had the dress up part. It was exactly the same as like the previous games. And I was like, all right, we get to dress her up. 
when do we get to play the cabaret game? And we didn't. And I was so disappointed that we didn't get to play that game because I love that game. Play that game because I love that game. I was expecting it as well after you unlock her in her costume and in her different outfit, then suddenly we'd have a side mission, uh, not side mission, but a side game option of playing her in the cabaret club. I was expecting it, but it never happened. Yeah, I was so disappointed. Like, we only got to be her through dialogue and not, like, physically play as her, which I thought that was yeah. a little disappointing because it was definitely a good change of pace. But, you know, the Yakuza series is no stranger to changing characters because, like, you know, Yakuza 5 has five main characters, and that's, like, the most you could ever play in a Yakuza game. But for this one, it was interesting because you, you switch mid-game. Like, you're playing Yagami, like what's like 90% of the game and then suddenly 10% of it is Saori-san you're like wow what the hell what's going on this is pretty neat I, I almost wonder if it's going to be an introduction in the sequel because it w it doesn't surprise me we played with Yagami majority of the time because this is the first time we've ever played a judgment this is the first judgment game and Yagami is this is the main character so you want to get to know him so you want to play with him more but just this sort of um outlet to play a different character might introduce some really cool things in the next game that comes out because for example like we played with Tauri now I'd love to play as Kaito in the next game if that that's oh, yeah. even a thing oh yeah totally no I would too that'd be so fun yeah that would be a lot of fun also, I thought that Saori-san would be a potential love interest for you because there's some dialogue between them when she's in the changing room of Lam of Le Marche, where she, where uh yes where uh, Yagami's like I I really like you right now or like something like that. It's like some some really like implying attractiveness towards her, and I was like, well, are they going to become a thing? Like I thought that she was going to be one of the potential girlfriends. Um, and yeah. I was like, I was like, totally. I'm like, I'm down for it. Whatever, dude. Even though you guys are like coworkers for a number of years, I mean, hey, it's not, it's not uncommon in Japan. Um, but it didn't happen, and I was actually kind of relieved that it didn't happen because I don't want Yagami to date every single woman that he meets. <laughs> like, it's just that'd be just weird. Um, I know. But uh, yeah, like going back to it, I thought the Hoshino Kun and Sorry something was was like classic, like anime tropey in a way. Because, like, you know, you had the young guy liking the older woman. And eventually, it seems like they are getting more fond of each other. And Genda-sensei was like, no dating in the office. Even though, like, Saori-san doesn't seem like she is implying any feelings towards him. But she's, like, teasing him a little bit. But he's, like, all in for her. I don't know. It was really you weird know, at the end. You know what it is? Towards the end of it, Saori-san saw Hoshino-kun as a man. Yeah, because of the whole trial at the end. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, yes, Hoshino-kun, he deserved it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about the trial at the end. There is, okay, so, well, the well, last yeah, let's, three chapters, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> well, we've been kind of going backwards because we kind of mentioned Shono and Koryo already, and we're mentioning the last trial, but there's three, I, I guess there's three main big trials, right? There's the one about... AD9. There's the one about uh, what's his name? There's the one about Ayabe and then there's the one about um, There's also the flashback about Okubo. Yeah, well, I was gonna I was gonna bunch like the Okubo present and the Okubo past one together since okay. they kind of they kind of like coincide with each other. So the first one would be 
Or actually, you know what? I'm missing the fourth one, which is uh, the eyes getting gouged out. Oh, Hamura. Yep. Yeah. The very, that's actually the first one, now that I think about it. Yeah. The very first trial. So instead of talking about each chapter, because I think that's too much, we should just talk about the trials, because like you know all the trials coincide with all the chapters, and there's only four trials. Um, okay. So let's talk about the first one with Hamura. Um, so the first trial is you're defending Hamura, who's the captain of the Matsugane clan, which you are really associated with, because one, Matsugane is your surrogate father, and your best friend Kaito was also part of that gang you were not directly part of that gang you were just associated with them because of your father figure and he didn't he raised you but he didn't make you or force you to be part of his family um kaito of course was already part of the family so there was no out of that um yeah so you're defending hamura who is the captain a captain of the matsugane family which is a subsidiary of the overall big tojo clan which everyone who knows that's listening if you've played the yakuza games or if not uh you'll know that the tojo clan is Probably the biggest clan in the Kanto region uh, that Kiryu was once a part of that became chairman of very, very briefly. And he left the whole the whole sector entirely, but then was always being drawn back into them with internal family drama or his own family drama. Um, so, yeah, no, going off of that tangent. Um, yeah, the case starts with you defending Hamura because... Uh, the police believe that Hamura murdered this guy in a bar and took his eyes out. And Hamura is saying that he didn't do it. So you're defending him. Did I get all that correctly? <laughs> yeah. I th- that's pretty that's pretty accurate. And one of the first games that you play in terms of using the investigation um, and the kind of like the mechanic where you look into evidence is the whole hidden camera behind the bar where the where the gang member died. Yeah. And I forgot what the gang is called already. The Kyore clan? There you go. There you go. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember off the top of my head. There's like there's like three things that they're associated with. There's the Kyore clan KJ Art, which is the name of the building that they have yes, their home Kajihira. base in. Yep. And yeah, and Kajihira Group, which is the main benefactor of the Kyore clan, I think. I I yeah, forget. Um Yeah, some something along those lines. Main benefactor. That clan is just associated with a lot of things. Yeah, seriously. With Hamura, he was an interesting character because I wasn't sure from the beginning where they were going to take him. Same. At first I thought he was going to be the main antagonist, but then they already did a trial on him in the very beginning of the game, so you knew he wasn't he wasn't like the main baller anymore. But there was a period of time after this trial where he goes missing as well. So I it, it just Hummer is such an intriguing character. Yeah, seriously. Um, really yeah. quick though, when I think there's an error with his character model, because when he goes missing and you find him in that club, remember you go to that like secret underground like gambling den? Yes. And I think when you first see him in that cutscene, the model is still of Pierre Taki. Like, there's like a oh. there's a quick there's like a quick scene where they show him like playing Chohan and like from the side, okay. and it looks like exactly like Pierre Taki. And I was like, holy shit! Wait, did they forget to swap his model out for this specific scene? But then it cuts back to him, and his nose is different, and his face just looks different overall. But honestly, like overall, his character 
looks like Pierre Taki, just like if he got plastic surgery. Because of course, with the time given, <laughs> with the time given for them for Sega to recreate the model, like they didn't have enough time to make the face perfect. But I think yeah. they they did a pretty good job to make it not look like Pierre Taki, but it still kind of does. Because if you compare both of the posters of the the swapped models, and you'll see like oh like this can clearly still be Pierre Taki if they wanted it to. They just have to like you know fix it somehow. But uh, for yeah, sure, for sure. No, like, sorry to go off on a tangent, but yeah, I thought that the, the they forgot to switch out the model in one of those scenes, and I was like, holy shit. So maybe if you look at a walkthrough, I'm, when they find him again online, if you watch someone playing it on YouTube, maybe you'll see it. But honestly, like, it was late at night, so maybe I was just imagining things, but I really swear to God that I saw Pierre Taki for, like, a hot second. It wouldn't surprise me, because they really rushed trying to get everything replaced, and if not everything was covered... It makes sense. Yeah. Because they had a small window to replace everything. So if they sk- if they accidentally skipped over something, it sounds reasonable. Yeah, seriously. Um, and also, for those listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, the character model and voice actor of Hamura was replaced and changed because the original voice actor, his name was Pierre Taki. He is a... Comedian, musician, and actor in Japan, very popular, or at least was, um, until he was busted with cocaine. And in Japan, drugs are a big no-no because, especially if you're an entertainer, because everyone's watching you. And TV, the TV industry at least, is so big in Japan that um, if you are caught doing something really bad, like cheating or drugs, then you have to give a public apology. But also, you're basically shunned and blacklisted from different agencies for a really really long time if not for the rest of your career for doing some horrible things um that's just the the way the japanese television and entertainment industry is uh but and for this actor unfortunately he was caught with cocaine and so the sega during while they were still selling the game like i guess in the beginning stages of them putting it on the shelves um pierre taki was caught he was arrested and Sega was like, holy shit, we got to pull these games off the shelves. They pulled the games off the shelves and they're like, well, we got to replace the actor. Mind you, this is like a few months before the Western release. So people in the West were wondering, well, is this game going to still come out? And it turns out the release date was still scheduled. So what Sega did was they just changed the model, changed the voice actor, had to redub all of his lines. And it sucks because this character was such an integral part of the story. Well, I should say is an integral part of the story. Um, and... Sega had to redo everything for this guy. I mean, it's it's terrible. Like, holy shit! If I was Sega, I would be like pulling my teeth and hair out because it was so. I'm sure it was a really stressful process for them. Um, but nonetheless, they did a really good job. The guy that they replaced, the voice actor, he sounds pretty similar to Pierre Taki. Um, but I think this voice actor is a lot better. Um, so yeah, no, I mean they they did a damn good job, is what I'm trying to say kind of crazy that we were like if you think about it we were about to not have this game like for real though everyone in the west was like what about our pre-orders and then sega was like don't worry they're fine the game will still come out and thank goodness this game could have been delayed or easily just never come out anymore in the united states Ugh. so i'm glad that th- it came out and we had all these changes honestly yeah like uh yeah no, I, i'll gush more later um but continuing on so the case is midway through with Hamura being put on trial and you've collected all this evidence and you come to find out that Hamura did not kill this guy in the back alley of this bar. Um, 
Hamura handed it off to this character called the Mole. And the Mole was... Yes. The Mole is the nickname of this character, is a trained assassin that Hamura is very, very familiar with. Um, how deep their relationship goes, you don't find out until later. But it's implied that they've known each other for a long time. Um, uh, but you, you really don't know who this was. So at this point, Elisa, I want to ask you, who did you think the Mole was? Oh, at this point, I... Or just in general, not not at this point. I would just want to at this point in the conversation. I mean, not in the story. Um, like before it was revealed, who did you think that the mole was? Um, before it was before it was revealed, I thought the mole was the um. Before it was revealed, I thought the mole was the chief prosecutor of the prosecution team. The one who accused Ayabe in the first place, which I think his name is Morita. Is his name Morita? Morita. Um. I might yeah. have name the, wrong. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The guy with the gray hair and the glasses, whose mom was like suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. Yes. Yeah, that guy. That's who I thought. That's who I thought the mole was at first. I honestly thought it was Hamura. Because I thought he was just covering up for himself, being like, I gave it to someone else. And I was like, well, that's a convenient excuse. <laughs> yeah. You see, what in the end, you kind of find out that he is sort of the mole. Or, like, not sort of the mole, but he fits the costume, at least. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. like, he literally, like, I, I mean, like, he literally fits the costume. Like, he's that size. He went to but, he went to Don Quixote and saw the mole costume and he bought it. He saw the mole costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why I wasn't sur- the reason I wouldn't have been surprised it wasn't Hamura is that he didn't want to get his hands dirty and he put out the order. Yeah. No that So that's what yeah. I was that's what I was thinking too. That makes sense. And just in general when you're learning more about Yagami in this first trial and more of why he cares so much about the truth and and just like learning more about how he views everything is really interesting because especially like I think Shintani said it best during this trial but he said something along the lines of okay like Hamura is found innocent like you can you know you can stop now you can stop prodding into this case cuz we've already won it where Yagami was never satisfied with anything and he knew that there was something wrong. And I, 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 I really like that about his character. Yeah. That he just didn't let one. And it's really, it's really influenced by the Okubo trial. Like he, instead of defending Okubo and believing his truth, like he just kind of like half-assed everything and then he went to jail. So, yeah. I feel like now, like this is this is the like this part is where you see kind of the redemption of Yagami, or the start of it. And I and that that was that was cool. Now that you've mentioned it, we can probably go into the Okubo trial. Um, it's kind of a twofold thing. Um, they're both in the past, and one of them, and it kind of goes on in the future too, where, um, Okubo was working at a hospital as like a I guess a janitor. And he, yes, he finds a dead body in the back of his truck, and he doesn't know what to do with it. So he, more, sorry, just to 
I think it's not a janitor. It's more of like a laundry person. Oh, I, like a person, yeah. like a person who laundered things, like blankets and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. No, I I don't know if it was for a third party company or if he was working directly for the center. But mm-hmm. um. Anyways, he's like collecting laundry, and he finds a dead body in the back of his truck. But it's implied that, or at least it's there's an assumption that he. F- he found a dead old man or he murdered an old man, put him in a laundry cart, took him to the back of his truck and drove the truck to the mountains to dump the body. Um, it was ultimately resolved. You acquitted him of all charges. And so he was fine. And then it turned out that he murdered his girlfriend. And yeah, that's the point where Yagami stopped being a lawyer because he, he acquitted a murderer and then the murderer murdered again. And so, yeah, Yagami just didn't want to have anything to do with that anymore. Uh, and that goes into the future because then he, uh, Okubo's eventually, you know, he's eventually brought back into the limelight because of different cases. And we'll talk about those next, Alisa. The, uh, the next case, which would be the... 89 case yep the 89 alzheimer drug case but before we kind of before we kind of go into that part of the original trial the very first trial with okubo and the patient who was found dead in in his uh in his uh laundry truck there is a nurse at the hospital who was assisting the dead patient and is just you know like a like a worker in in that area and her name is Emi Tarasawa and during the during Yagami's original investigation with Shintani Emi was telling um Yagami all of these things that how he believed Okubo was a good person and how he's innocent and then going into the trial that's when you find out that this nurse Emi Tarasawa is Okubo's girlfriend yep and that was a pretty in, uh, and that's a pretty significant reveal as well it's one that he eventually like murders too yep the one that he eventually murders it's crazy no i yeah sorry i forgot about that detail that's that's a good point um she plays a significant and she's very role. passionate about defending okubo too this is a big deal and this is a big deal for her because she's in lo- like she professes her love for okubo in this trial yeah, and she's like, he'll never do something like that. He's such a he's an innocent guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's where I wanted to believe them, and I did believe them. I was like, I don't think this dude did it. Which we'll find out soon enough. So next is the case with AD9, and AdTech9, as you mentioned before, Lisa, is a drug that helps pre- not just prevent Alzheimer's, but reduce it. Um, it's being developed by the ADDC. The I forget what the name of it is, but it's a it's a Medical lab testing center where they create drugs and AdTech nine or eighty nine is one of the uh, one of the drugs that they're developing. They're probably the flagship drug. The flagship, the flagship drug of of honestly how ADDC was founded. Oh right, yeah, the whole center was founded based on that drug. That's right. Um, yeah, because the because it was created. The government, the Ministry of Health, created that center to produce the drug and, and test it in in mass, pretty much. So it's a facility that is run by the government, protected by the government. Um, and the Yakuza, 
the Kyore clan have their eyes on it. Um, a piece of land. The, the land that it sits on is what they want, basically. And the drug is still being worked on by Shono, which is their, their lead scientist, the guy who ultimately started creating and testing the drug. And the center is run by director Kido. He oversees everyone, including Shono. It's the center where Okubo found the body, drove it up to the mountains, dumped it, and where uh, Emi Terasawa works, his girlfriend. Yep. And this is also the center where before Shintani's death, this was the last person he called Shono at this hospital. Very last phone call before he was killed. Yep. Um, so putting a hold on that one, let's talk about the Shintani Ayabe case because the 89 one is pretty much wrapped up at the end of this case. And this is pretty much the final fourth case that you're doing in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so you in like chapter three or four, you come home, um, you hear a cell phone ring and it cu- your cell phone rings and it's, and the it's coming from your closet and. You know, as you approach the closet, a body drops down and it's Shintani Sensei and his eyes are bleeding out. He's still wearing his sunglasses, surprisingly, and he got <laughs> shot. And I was like, damn, the dude died with his sunglasses on. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Yep. Uh, so Shintani's dead and he you've only known him for like a couple chapters. I, I just want to interject. At this point, like this, like this point in the story, I thought the mole was Ayabe at this at this time by chapter four or five like i i thought that he was feeding me information leading me to trust but he was actually doing all these crimes i would honestly believe that yeah but then uh but then eventually when you when you learn more about his underground gambling um gambling center and you realize that he's like super being watched over by the police then then you kind of realize that Aibe is not the mole either. Yeah. But at this point, at, at Shintani's death, I thought it was Aibe. I had a sneaky suspicion he could be something related to the mole. Um, but I knew that he was more than just that, and he was just a background actor who who's like a middleman who feeds you information. He's a dirty cop. Yes. He's a dirty cop. Go- he's a dirty cop, but towards the end of his dirty cop stuff i think he has good intentions because in the beginning you're like we're gonna meet we're gonna meet with this guy at a bar and he knows everything um and then you're like okay and you meet one up with him and he's like ah i'm a dirty cop i only i will sell information for money it's got to be a lot of money and you're like all right <laughs> let's do this and then as time goes on he's like you know what uh i'm gonna give you a discount because i like you and then eventually he's like this one's on the house because we got to do this and you're like you're you the man you the man um <laughs> But yeah, I mean that yeah, they they blame Ayabe or the it's implied that Ayabe killed him and you know, you're like, well, Ayabe's is Ayabe the mole? Probably yes, probably no. I, and of course, we just said that we we're leaning towards no, and then you're still trying to find the mole um at this point and why Shintani died and all that stuff. And so you you pick up his cell phone, you see who he last called and you find out that it was the at the ADDC and you're like, okay, well, let's start there. And you, you go on this whole trail of figuring out that Ayabe was not the mole to begin with, of course. Um, he was framed because his gun was taken from him and it was used to kill Shintani-sensei. And not to mention, when you're visiting the ADDC, everyone is acting really suspicious. 
And when Yagami and Kaito meet with Shono, Shono's super protected by everyone, including Kido. And that's when you know something's up because everyone's making a big deal about Shono. Well, especially when Ichinose, the vice minister of health, comes in. He's like, yo, I'm the big guy on campus and you need to stay out of my business. Shono is part yeah. of my part, Shono's part of my business, so step away. And you're like, damn, yes. okay. I honestly thought that we would have to fight him, <laughs> Ichinose, because he's. Like, I was like, damn, <laughs> this is a big dude. Like, you look pretty muscular. I'm like, damn, do you work out? Because we're gonna have to fight you later. Turned out we didn't have to fight him. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was cool. Um, so yeah. Um, the- at this point in the story, as well, after you go to the ADD- ADDC for the first time in the present, uh, you're now introduced to two more characters in the posse. Uh, one is Higashi, who is Kaito's kind of, um, at Ka- Kaito is the Aniki, but the but a person who looks up to Kaito a lot, and Ka- kind of Kaito and Higashi are a bit of best friends and best buds. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, and then you have an interesting character named the Jester, introduced as a sort of Robin Hood type character. At first, you think that this guy is a thief, but then you find out that you think this guy is a thief, and then in one of the chases, the jester steals your phone, and Yagami is able to catch up and get his phone back, albeit like falling off of a building, almost falling off of a building and hanging by one hand. But but basically, that incident is when the jester starts to respect. Yagami and then slowly as you gain his trust and respect he's finally revealed to be Fumiya Sugiura Terasawa Terasawa oh but we were not there yet oh okay yeah um yeah they have just called him Sugiura for the whole thing and yeah. you're just like okay that's cool um yeah. but going back to Higashi <laughs> in in flashback sequences he's just like hey bro what's up man like we're we're best bros kaito and later on he's like hey i'm i'm higashi i talk like this now <laughs> i was like come on dude <laughs> like if you did you notice that alisa he's so jaded this is what the yakuza does it it gets you jaded it, <laughs> it made his voice deeper but i feel like he like i was expecting him to go back to his old voice because i was like oh he he sounds kind of nice but then like when he's talking in the current time, he's like, oh, I'm a Yakuza now. Like, I dress like one. I talk like one. I'm like, dude, this is like, he's like, you know, faking it till he makes it. That's what it looks like to me. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, with every right, too, I mean, I don't blame the dude. Like, he... Higashi is honestly the definition of fake it till you make it. Yeah, and that's totally fine. I feel like... Someone he had to, honestly didn't really want it in the first place. <laughs> that's true. Like someone had to replace Kaito, and they made Higashi yeah. kind of replace Kaito in the family after Kaito was kicked out because he stole. He allegedly, you know, he, you know, Kaito stuck up for Higashi and took the blame for something that Higashi was about to be kicked out for. Yeah, that sounds just like Yakuza One. You know where... why? Because Kaito is best bro. That's why. Yep. And honestly, one of the best characters of the whole game. So we'll go into him later. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Yeah, Higashi. I also love that Higashi runs like a retro arcade center as well. I thought that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like his basically Higashi's secondhand guy that works there is also super bored and just doesn't care about anything. He just sits there like, oh, okay. 
Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and Higashi's just in the back counting money. Uh, there's like an arcade game in the back, too. And I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> what is going on back here? Um, yeah, so I still, when we first met Higashi, I also still believed he had a soft spot. And it turns out I was right. Like, Higashi was still like a bro to the very end, especially towards Kaito. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, like. When you saw, when you saw the flashback of how Kaito stuck up for higashi you knew that higashi had a soft spot for kaito for oh sure. and, and just in general too like yeah <laughs> i feel like he was a softie but he was just trying to look tough again the fake it till you make it why his voice is so oddly deep all the time i know <laughs> um but yeah no i like higashi at this point i, like, I knew he was going to be a good guy like i didn't think he was going to sell you guys out or snitch on you or anything um but yeah so going back to the jester part um, the whole hacker group thing, like they never came back. Like they showed them briefly and they're like, we're missing a member. He went off and did his own thing. And then you're like, okay. And then you find him and he's like, Hey, I'm the jester guy. Then I was with that group and now I'm alone. Hey, they're looking yeah. for me. And you're like, yeah, that's the guy that they're looking for. And he's like, come catch me if you can. And then you chase after him and then like, wow, let's become best friends. And then you become best friends and you introduce him to Kaito. And then Kaito's like, whoa, there can't be a third wheel in our bromance. So that happens and yeah no at this point Sugiura you don't really know where he's gonna go as far as character development I'll accept him in any romance though <laughs> he is like <laughs> well hold on before we get there okay <laughs> we're gonna go okay. on we're gonna talk about these characters after all this let's just get through the main plot first I want there's a lot okay. of side stuff that I want to talk about too um okay so yeah, so then Sugira, you're like, I don't know how this guy's gonna help us out, but then he he like he knows a couple of people that help you get bugs. Uh not well not bugs. Uh you ask someone else for that. But like he he sneak he helps you like with technology. He helps you sneak into places. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a very resourceful he's, person. He's a driver a lot of the times. Yeah, he's really athletic. He's just overall helping the group. Yeah, yeah. He he's the support boy, you know? If if Kaito is the tank, Yagami I don't know is the brains. Yeah. You know, so, and so, yeah, uh, Sugira is helping out. And then now that you have this like trio, that's like going around and you're like helping with the main case, um, collecting evidence, still flying your damn drone in, the, in front of buildings and stuff, which is kind of weird still. Yeah. So you collect all this evidence. Um, Higashi eventually joins your, your trio to become a quartet. Um, and then you go to court and you're defending Ayabe. So the whole point of the case is you're going to defend Ayabe. But then you, before the whole case happens, you meet up with um, Izumida, the prosecutor. And, and Hoshino, and who Hoshino. also joins your posse. Yeah. The thing is, though, you don't know if Izumida is on your side or not. Like, you don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And you're trying to figure that out. So. I really love that, by the way, about Izumida. Just because I, I appreciate characters like that, where they are, they seem like they're antagonizing, but really they just have a high moral ground and they don't give a shit about anyone. I agree. Um, I really like that. Yeah, I know. And the crazy part is before this, before this whole trial even begins, you're you. You Yagami are getting closer to the case, and then Yagami and Su Sugiura, you f finally figure out where Shono is injecting the eighty nine into into test humans, and it just leads to 
this whole mess of a situation when you finally get to the end and you find the the lab where everything's going on. Which was like one of the craziest plot twists of the game too. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's the point when I was just like, holy shit, what the hell is happening? What is going I on? I know. Um, who, like, I, we, at this point, we still don't know who the mole is. Um, and we then, don't know who the mole is. Yeah. Um, so you track down Hamura, and you take him to the Kajihira group, the, the this casino, this, like, rundown casino, because, like, they want him back, or they want to question him. And then there's this whole segment where you question him a couple times, and then uh, you're trying to get out, and then the then the... The Matsugane family comes and they they want to rescue Hamura, so they set the place on fire. And in the midst of the battle between the Kyorei clan and the Matsugane family, the the mole comes in and he starts killing everyone. And he's about he's like basically he was pulling a whole John Wick on everything, which was yes. fucking badass, by the way. When he was like shot that dude in the head, I was like, holy shit. Um, and so at this point. You really don't know who the mole is still, and then kill, and then he's a, the mole is about to shoot Hamura, and Hamura or the Matsugane, the the patriarch of the family, your your father figure, he jumps in front of the bullet, takes the bullet for Hamura, and he ultimately dies, and then Hamura tells you who the mole is, and he tells you that it's Kuriowa, who's a detective that you've pretty much known the whole time because. Kuryo has always been trying to arrest you because he thinks that you killed Shintani Sensei. Um, mm-hmm. And he's kind of been a figure that's been hanging around just in general. Like he's been in the background. And yeah, then Hamura's like, yeah, I've known this guy for 20 years and it's the mole. Or he's the mole. And I'm just like, holy shit. I never would have expected that. Um, he's wearing this giant ass raincoat. So of course it could have been anyone. Uh, I know, right? So yeah, and then you find out that he the he's clawing out the eyes because there's a purple pigment that happens when you inject 89 into your body and it causes your eyes to turn purple. Yes. And that's why the eyes were gouged out because if people found the dead bodies with the eyes purple, then they would have realized that it was a science experiment that um was the was the reason why they died. And they would say, like, what, what what medicine caused them to be dead? Oh, it was 89. And then they would shut the center down. But, of course, the government didn't want that because they believed that Shona would find find a working version of the medicine. And Shona believed himself that he wanted to save the world. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you find out the mole is um, Koryowa. And you go and you fight him for a little bit, like, a, in a mini boss battle. And then you see, you, you find Shona's, like, secret lab. Uh... And then you see that, uh, what's his name? The the guy that we just mentioned, the police detective who. Kuroa? No, no, no. Sorry, not the police detective. The the chief prosecutor. What was his oh, name? Oh, Morita. Again? Morita. Yeah, you find you out find that out he's a snake. Yep, and he's been working he's a rat. with. Yeah, Ichinose is at the top. Technically, Ichinose and Shono are the two the two top people. Um, and Ichinose has been working with Morita, not, yeah, Morita, because he wants the police in his pocket. He's got the, he's got the, the, the center in his pocket. And in a way, he also has the Yakuza in his pocket by way of Hamura. So you could see that this is, is the, the, basically the government was, was influencing everything and controlling everything. And it was terrible. And, um, yeah, uh, 
I... And, and then the reveal of the jester, too. Yep, and you find out that uh, Sugiro was going to kill Shono right in front of you in the secret lab, but um, Yagami stopped him, Kaido stopped him, and then Sugiro's like, Guess, I'm not Sugiro, I'm, Ter- I'm Fumiya Terasawa, I'm Emi's brother. And Yagami's like, holy shit. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was a that cool. That was a mind-blowing chapter. You find out that Sugiura was Emmy's brother the entire time, and then you find out that Morita sees an entire lab in front of him and he's not re- going to report anything to the police. And even though Mafuyu and like all of these people are there, it was just so mind-blowing to me. And on top of that, um Kuriowa is at the arcade and had just beaten up Kaito and Higashi. It's so insane, right? This is the ending of this chapter. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the moment when I was like, holy shit, this story is definitely a classic RGG Studio story. Um, oh, yeah. Sugiura being a different character, being related to a character that your first case was about was pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he, and he, even Sugiro was like, yeah, I hit it. I changed my hair. I changed the color. I dressed differently. I, I stopped being in my room all the time. And I got out and I tried to find my sister's killer, basically. Um, yes. And he he said that he didn't believe Okubo did it. I forgot. What was the reason why? I, he... It was it was something like he when he started hanging out with Yagami, um he realized that Okubo was innocent. Yeah. It, I don't think he thought of it immediately when that when Emmy first died. It was more when he started being around Yagami. Because if you if you notice that um if you notice when Sugiura and Yagami are starting to get to know each other in the detective's office, he will always prod Yagami about the trial and everything. Right. And talking to Okubo himself. And I think through through that, that's when he learned the truth as well. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. I I remember now. You're right. Um That is definitely one of those things where I really was like taken aback by his character, not in a bad way, but I was like, holy shit, like don't you think that Yagami would have recognized him by now, or at least by voice? Because I know that he said that they met previously, but only briefly. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, I I, I, thought that was a really good reveal. Um, and they're like, do we call you Terasawa? He's like, no, just call me Sugira. And I was like, and they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> I like how they just, like, they just decided to do that <laughs> like there was i'm sure the audience would have been like what do we call him now and then like i'm sure the <laughs> the the people doing the text like with the names were like damn it do we have to change his name again like for the whole rest of the game and then they're like okay we're just gonna leave him as sugiro so it's easier for the people doing the the text <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh that was cool his little reveal was awesome and then finally it leads to the prep to the final trial where honestly i i think what really one of the scenes that really sold me on this game was just kind of after this chapter ends 
and Yagami and everyone's trying to figure out what they're trying to do next. And Yagami just never giving up in seeking the truth. And when everyone comes together to figure out the evidence and figure out everything for this trial, then Saori, Hoshino, and Gendar straight up, and Mafuyu, was Mafuyu there? I don't remember if she was there, but like the Genda office straight up says, Yagami, I don't think anyone can represent Ayabe except for you. Oh yeah, Mafuyu was there, yeah. Yeah, and then I just had like, when... When they said that for the first time, I was elated with joy. I was like, this is what it's coming to? So hyped for this. Yep. He's going to lay down that, a phoenix yeah, right on everyone. <laughs> I know. When, when, it, when, it, when it was revealed that Yagami has to go back to being a lawyer for this trial, I was just like, yes, this is what I've been playing for this whole time. <laughs> it's, it was fantastic. And the case wraps up. With you just basically, you're supposed to be helping Ayabe, but in the process, you work with Izumita prosecutor, the prosecutor in Izumita, and you basically you both agree because you find out that he's not under Morita's payroll. Like Izumita's like, I don't know what's going on. I just want to do what's right, and you're like, okay, let's do it together. Then um, Izumita leads you on so that when you talk to Ichinose, the vice minister of health. You basically question him, tell him all the you know, tell him all these things that reveal 89's purpose and how it's been killing people. And Ichinose says, like, you don't have any proof. You show him proof after proof after proof. And there's a line where Ichinose is like, Why doesn't the prosecution say anything? And Izumita's like, I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> he's like, Ichinose is like, Are you crazy? And Izumita's just so good. Oh yeah, no. Izumita's just laughing, like, ha ha. And Ichinose is like, What the hell? And then you just keep going on and you're barraging him and then yeah, the truth finally gets out. Um, and then you see Ichinose nod to his weird little creepy glove-wearing subordinate. And then Kaito and Sugira chase after him. And then you also tell Hoshino to take over the trial. You run after them. You end up at the... Which, by the way, was so hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, no. like I, Hoshino manned up and he did it. And uh, that was awesome. And was then, so good. Oh, yeah. So then you end up at the center again you fight your way through you find Kuriowa there and Kuriowa's mission is to kill Shono and you're like damn yep. it we need Shono so you go find Shono um uh Kuriowa Kuriowa comes and he's wearing his full rain jacket outfit for some reason he had time to change and he starts shooting everyone and he shoots Shono briefly and uh yeah then you have this final battle with him and then the whole ending scene, as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, is where Shono injects himself with his own creation to prove that he made the right serum. Turns out that it was still broken and flawed, and flawed, and so he gets purple eyes. He dies from a giant headache, and Kurio is on the ground. Kurio is on the ground laughing, and he, even though he was shot several times, and he's like, <laughs> and he just dies. So then you have the the main antagonist and the tertiary antagonist of the friend of the of the game dead next to each other and i was like wow this is very poetic this is crazy i will i'm gonna i I gotta admit though remember when you get to the second level of kuro kurioa's uh boss battle and he injects something in him and he becomes stronger oh yeah i for a second thought he was injecting himself with a new version of 89 
And when Shono, that's what I thought at first because it was confusing because he was injecting himself with something. So when Shono was about to inject himself with something, I thought that it was, it was at first, I was like, is this going to kill him? Or is this the same super drug that Kurioa just took in the boss battle? But then it turned out that it was actually just like, another failed attempt of the drug but i was just i, I was a half expecting that shona was gonna buff up and this was the final battle like that because i was like what did what did he inject him what did kurioa inject himself with yeah i i thought it was an EpiPen. <laughs> oh it very well could be i mean it was definitely adrenaline it, it didn't look like like a syringe it looked more like one of those like adrenaline epipen oh. things. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can see where you can get confused. Like, did he get a special serum? Like, is this going to turn to Resident Evil now? Yeah, no, really. I was, I was half expecting. Is like, uh, this isn't the first time Yakuza did some shit like this. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it, it didn't turn out that way. He just, he, I'm sure he just injected himself with some adrenaline, and then he became stronger. And I was like, damn it. Boss yeah. battle part two. Here we go. I I I loved the way that this game ended with Shono dying. I actually found this ending to be one of the darkest endings that Ryu Gagotoku has ever made. Yeah. In terms in terms of a storyline based around people trying to rely on this a on an Alz an Alzheimer cure, but instead. It killed themselves essentially. I, I I thought it was like I was like, holy crap! This is one of the deepest game, the deepest endings for sure of a game from the studio. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, I thought it was a really good ending. It was a very fitting ending, and I enjoyed it the whole way through. Yes, man, I still I still can't get over the scene where I can't get over the scene where Kaito. And Yagami, they confront they confront Morita at the uh, at the at the eventually evacuated uh, gambling place for Ayabe. And then when Yagami walks out of of the koi pond and the gambling center, you just have everyone that you've ever met in the game. Just they're watching the scene. They're looking at Yagami because they they know that he's the hero and they know like he's the only person who can save the day. I was just like, man, I love a, rede- I, I love a good redemption story. <laughs> yeah. This is so good. That was that, awesome. That's that scene made me really happy. Yeah. No, that was, then, that was cool. I know. And then I low key cried when, when, uh, Sugiura talks to Okubo for the first time. Yeah. Mano Imano. That was, was cool. Like, Damn. I want them to be bros and I want to see what happens to them in the future. Like their characters. I hope they become like really good friends and just like do things together. Yes. That'd be awesome. Oh my gosh. So that ends the storyline discussion. And pretty much the game ends with just Mafuyu and Kaito in Yagami's office. And it just leads to more misadventures. For the game. Did you stay during the credits and watch them try to chase that cat? Yep. That was Fucking cool. Fucking cats. I swear yeah. to God. I like how 
they they ended the game with trying to catch the cat, and then they during the credits you see them trying to catch the cat. I thought that was kind of oh, cool. I know. Yeah. It's fitting because cats were the most annoying thing in this damn game. Did you get that achievement? Like, oh, look, a cat. No. Ah. Because I was like, this is bullshit. I can't find the fucking cat. <laughs> uh, I, I tried for my life to find them all. And when that trophy popped up, I was like, yes, it was all worth it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll redo it next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this I was like, "This is this is a bunch of crap." Where I don't I don't see where the fuck this is. So it's okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. On that note, it sounds like we both enjoyed the story. So let's talk about some of the side stuff. And if you listen to our previous podcast, we did kind of gloss over some of our favorite side stuff. But I would like to talk about the characters first. So your favorite guy is. Oh man, it's kind of hard to choose. Because, oh God, there's so many. I would, damn it. It's definitely a tie for me with Kaito, Sugira, and Yagami. Just all three of them. <laughs> I, like, whatever. I don't give a shit. Though, no those worries. three are my favorites. That being said, there's I have a lot of, I, I, this was a very likable cast. This is a, very, a lot of likable characters in this game. No, I totally agree. I I really liked Yagami and Kaito. I thought their dynamic was really good. They were that definitely was, it was a great dynamic of just two people. Um, one's a yakuza, one's not. You know that w- that was a point I wanted to make. What I like about yakuza is it's a dynamic of a Kiryu, a yakuza person, but really the relationship between him and his adopted daughter, whereas Judgment is about a detective and the relationship with his friends. So I like how this is more... So Yakuza covers more of a family vibe, where here, this game is much more about friendship. And I I thought that was very cool and different. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree, and I see where you're coming from. I think it's it's a different direction, and I really like that. Yes. Yes. And Kaito is seriously the man. Like, I-, I think everyone needs a best friend like him. He'll take a bullet for you. He'll do so many things for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He- he's the-, the Kiryu without the Kiryu, basically. Because, yes. again, like, he's got the same model. I think he- they just changed the face. <laughs> yep. And then-, and then just more charming. They made his character more charming, which I really like. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um. Yeah, I really what like. What makes me? S- oh, go first. I, I I like their dynamic. I like, I like that they're both like basically one's a detective and the other guy's just kind of helping out. He's just the employee, and yes. every time Kaito said, "I'm gonna go home," like I wonder where he lives because they never show his home. They only talk about him leaving, and he always wears the same clothing. So I wonder if he's homeless. <laughs> that being said, everyone in this game wears the same clothing. That's true. Yeah, but it just like. You know, out of context, I, I was just wondering, like, if, if you know, Yagami doesn't really have a big wardrobe either, but I just wanted True. to know, like, where does Kaito live? <laughs> uh-huh. like, I wonder where he lives. Sorry, you were you were saying. Oh, um, I, I wanted to change the topic a bit to Sugiura. Yeah. Where it, I'm a little bit sad because now that we know who his character is, 
and that he's a Terasawa, I'm worried that he's not going to be in the sequel because his character is a is integral to this first storyline because I want to see him like I love this guy I want him back I hope they bring I hope they realize they should bring him back but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't bring him back because his story is also kind of over yeah I I know Yakuza always brings back characters um so I really think that there's a chance I want to say it's 50 50 they might bring him back because they might need him for, you know, being that specific character in the group because, you know, he's like the athletic techie type. And, you know, yeah, we we need him back. It's a good contrast against Yagami's like detective skill set and Kaito's, you know, meathead muscular fighting type. Yes. So they definitely need a different perspective and i think that sugira brings that the youthfulness the athleticism and the the know-how when it comes to a lot of different things um and plus he was part of the the hot boy summer lineup like you know like they got even higashi i I want higashi to come back too i think higashi would probably end up being the the patriarch of the matsugane family and i i don't have a problem with that because it's again something that he doesn't want to do but he's reluctantly doing it and i feel like that's just the road he's meant to be led down on um but i still think he'll be morally good in some sense yes i need i need this hot boy summer lineup for like i need all of these people back basically for the next game no i i agree i want the same thing as well i want them to all come back and do their awesome things and be a crew Yep. I'm to- I god, I totally agree. <laughs> totally. Um Moving off of characters for a hot second, I want to touch upon the location. We did mention before and a couple of other times that this is set in Kamurocho, so of course it's set in the same universe as the Kiryu arc of Yakuza games. I really liked seeing Kamurocho, you know, refreshed up a bit while still yes. retaining some of the old splendor that it, uh, it's always had for example new serena bar like you can't go inside of it you can only look at the outside of it i really wanted to go inside and get a drink or something but i don't know i think they're just reserving that for the mainline yakuza franchise um i think they just also wanted to like have a lot less ties to the overall franchise and make it more connected to its own universe despite being in the same city which was, I was totally fine with. I think it worked out really well. Um, mm-hmm. So there are locations like that, like, you know, Kyushu, number one star, the ramen place, uh, Bantam, the bar, uh, of course, the Komurcho Hill, not Komurcho Hills, the, the main center where you do the drone racing, that giant indoor mall area. So, like, a lot of familiar locations. And, you know, there are some locations that you don't really recognize until you play this game, such as, like, Genda Law Office or, like, the Matsugane Family Office. Uh, KJ Art, like KJ Art's on the same street that um, Haruka gets hit by that car in Yakuza 6. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of locations that overlap, but you don't really think about that in the game. You think yes. about, like, where is this location in reference to the story? And I definitely, I was drawn into the whole Judgment storyline. Like, honestly, I didn't think a lot about the Yakuza games when I was playing Judgment. I was thinking, oh, more... I didn't, I didn't think about Yakuza that much at all. Yeah, no, and I think that's a really good thing. That's a really good strength that it has because if it 
took you out of that franchise entirely, or sorry, not franchise, if it took you out of that scenario entirely, then it's kind of a bad thing because then you're just comparing it and that's not really good. Like, of course you should compare it in some senses and you're, you can't help but do that, especially if you've played all the other Yakuza games, but this is its own beast and it's going in its own direction and it definitely can hold its own two legs. And I really like that about this, this game. So, or this, I guess you can call it like a new franchise within the franchise. Oh yeah. If it becomes a sequel, then if if it has a sequel, then, uh, yeah, then it'll become a franchise. I I hope it becomes a franchise. I'd love to see it flourish the same way that Yakuza did. Same, yeah. Um, But yeah, so building off of that, we have a lot of our side stuff, side minigames, stuff that uh, I know that you want to talk about. You know, I feel like the only... um, The only side quest that... I didn't talk about yet that I want to talk about. Um, Crap. I have to I have to think about it again, but you can go first. Mine is still the one that I first did, which was the old lo- the old lady who hires you to tell her husband because she thinks that her husband's cheating on her um and you find out that he's going to this love hotel with this coworker that works one floor above and you're like, "Holy shit." And then at the end of it, she's like, "Thanks, I'll take this information and I'll do with it what I must." And you're like, "Okay." And I honestly thought and you and I talked about this on the previous podcast that it was going to go in a more comical direction. But it didn't. And in, in our minds, we're both like, is this going to set the precedent for the rest of the side cases? Because this is this is kind of dark. And even though it's realistic and dri- different, like, let's let's, you know, give some humor into them. Of course, we got a lot of humor with all the other side cases. But this is probably the one that stuck with me the most because it was the most realistic one. Um, oh, on, yeah, totally. On top and of. I, be- I, yeah. It, it's like the only one that it could happen in real life. And it was very haunting. <laughs> no, totally. Like, all the other ones are like, you know, there's a girl pretending to be a ghost. There's, like, the perverts. Um, there's the ninja guy. Not ninja guy. He was a friend and not a side case. Um, there's, like, helping out the two restaurants with each other. You know, there's a there's a ton of, like, you know, helping out the, the cashiers at the cafe. There's, like, there's so many side cases where it felt like Yakuza. And I was, like, okay. I was totally fine with that. I was, like, okay, I understand why they're doing it. But honestly, yeah, it was the only one that stuck out to me because it was haunting because it it was just so realistic because it could really happen to you in real life, you know? And when it was over, I was like, holy shit, okay, um, what's the next one? Help me find my kid who's always hiding from me. I'm like, okay, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess we'll do this now. And yeah, that was the only one that I remember vividly because it was not just the first one, but the most traumatizing one. Yes. So, yeah. I think one that I haven't, one that I didn't talk about yet was the damn guy with the damn wig. Oh, I can't I hate, believe. Oh, man. 
I can't believe there were three side quests about this guy's wig. That this guy thinks that Yagami has a wig. And I can't believe that the couple that tricked me thinking there was a ghost, but it turns out they were trying to lower rent or something like that. Or, like, get out of their lease. I can't believe that the boyfriend treated her girlfriend to that idol without the wig as well. And the wig got blown away in that same mission where you didn't expect him to show up because, like... I know! I was like, okay, we're gonna go to this... We're gonna follow this guy. We're gonna go to his girlfriend. And then I was like, okay, what happens next? And that guy pops out. I'm like, oh, fuck. Are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, oh, shit. And the, whoop, the, that noise, that sound effect plays and you see the wig flying away. And, you're, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How many times do I have to be your goddamn delivery boy and get this shit for you? And I chased after it and I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna give this back. And that was the last time. And I was like so happy when I found out it was the last time. Okay. So, Jeremy, what side quests did you do where you were Dracula, if you can think off the top of your head? Oh, man. Aside from the one that I just said about the couple, um, I mean, of course, there's the one where you have to be Dracula. That's how you get the costume. Yeah. Um, But I don't remember too many. Like, there was some where you had to disguise yourself and, like, tail someone, and... I was Dracula then, and it was just weird and funny because I was like, oh, just Dracula walking through Kamurocho, you know? Yep. Um, that was the most memorable one aside from the couple. It was just, like, tailing someone as Dracula. Can, by the way, some of the costumes were just so, like, car- like cartoonishly... How do I say this? Some of the disguises were so comically, cartoonly... Re- I can't believe no one's recognizing this guy. Yeah, no, exactly. But that that goes off of my previous conversation of how in the fuck did these people not realize that Yagami is standing right behind them tailing and then it's take the bar is taking more than 10 seconds for it to go all the way up. Well, to your point like, from before, like when he had the beanie and sunglasses on, I'm like is this yes. even is this even a disguise? Like come on, dude. I think my favorite not this isn't a side quest but the first time that you tail higashi the very very first time oh yeah and you go downstairs to his arcade and you're like oh i gotta put on a disguise (laughs) and you're like in a beanie come on yeah i i chose the homeless guy because i was like that'd be funny if there's a if there's a homeless guy like walking into an arcade and like what gets me about the homeless guy disguise is that he has a beard, like a full beard, and I'm like, mm-hmm. either those are prosthetics or you just went to like a Halloween store and like put that on your face, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, you didn't just grow a beard in ten seconds, you know? Um, but totally not. Yeah, my my two favorite costumes were the homeless guy and of course Dracula. Um, yeah. So, going off of your homeless comment, the store. <laughs> The store in the underground sewer where you pay with SP. Ah, uh, yes. Have aside from doing some of the stuff for extracts, did you ever end up getting one of those game chips or one of those game tiles that automatically make you win everything? I have I haven't done that yet because I just I needed to spend all my SP as possible on maxing out Yagami. But I was curious if you've ever reached that expendable level of sp where you're like fuck it i'm gonna get a mahjong tile so 
I don't want to talk about it yet because there's some other things I want to talk about before that. And this is part of my post-game conversation and what I'm doing right now and the reason why I'm still playing the game. Um, but not yet is what I'm going to say. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but it's in my plan. Um, but be before we go into that, um, what did you buy from that guy so far? I've only bought things that are either... One related to extracts um, and a few other things that I can't think of at the top of my head. I bought a few decorations, but the my biggest spend, not even biggest spend, but I bought gold tuna oh. and a lot of it oh, Okay, for the extract. Right. And I can't think off the top of my head what else was important aside from game tiles. Yeah. Um, there's there's drone stuff you can buy the best drone blueprints from that guy using SP oh yeah that's right you can buy blueprints it's like 4,500 a piece though yeah it's a lot it's really expensive and it's I was it's not the worst though yeah in my arguably the dice and the tiles and everything are 10 yeah 10, 10k SP seriously those are way crazy expensive Um. yeah but and I'm like I'm not playing Mahjong anyways, so... Uh, yeah, I know, right? Like, you don't need to do that yet. Um, I'm not even doing this. There is a friend requirement for that Mahjong thing, and I'm currently in that right now. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about drone racing real quick, and mm -hmm. I want to know your thoughts and opinions. Oh. Well, for one, let's just talk about how we use the drone to spy on KJ, KJ Art, <laughs> and there were so many instances where I'm thinking, we're actually using a drone, and this drone is above everyone, and just in the Yakuza RGG way, no one realizes there's a drone here. <laughs> Seriously, like, oh my god, it's so loud, and in real life, it kind of mimics that, where it's <laughs> so loud that you would definitely notice it or hear it, especially if it's at night. Which is illegal, by the way, in any country to fly your drone at night, unless you get a permit, of course. But unless you're Kaito, I know <laughs> you just don't care and you fly it. In a... Then you just don't do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're just flying it at a super crowded area <laughs> above a, a people's heads where it could fall and kill someone. Um, but you before know, before I go into my, I know. Before I go into uh, drone racing, I just want to say one thing about Yagami being a detective is the mechanics of the game that were detective-like, aside from when you had to do scavenger hunts and figure out where the clues were, they were not discreet in any way whatsoever. The other detective mechanics that arguably you have to be discreet about. Yeah. Um... There was always a flaw to it, <laughs> where you're just like, how... How is no one noticing right now what's going on? <laughs> Are you talking about, like, for example, if you go into investigative mode and you're just, like, looking around at stuff? Yeah. Just everything in general. A oh, lot of the mechanics oh, in general that, yeah. you, that you do as a detective yeah. were so ob obvious. No. I'm, one of my favorite things was investigation mode <laughs> when you're, like, walking around looking at stuff and... Sometimes you would have to stay still and look at things. And from an outside perspective, someone looking at Yangami would be like, what is this guy doing? Why does he just keep looking everywhere? <laughs> he's got his like hand up under his chin. He's like, think, looks like he's thinking, but he's looking at me. 
Like, I know. no, you're not that guy. Like this, he matches the bill, but not fully. And then you just keep looking <laughs> around and stuff. And I'm like, damn it. I think one of my favorite ones is you're banned from ADDC and you have to find Shono and you have to walk all over that and realize that he's on the stairs and you have to look up at a certain angle where all the doctors can look at you at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you have I'm to wait for like, him to show up and you're like, oh, like there he is. And the doctors are like, what the hell, dude? Why are you here? What are you looking for? I know. It's it's not like everyone saw me already. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. They would have alerted Shono because like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure everyone at the ADDC knows Yagami's face at this point. It's been like, what, three pretty years? Much. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was a quick tangent. Um, I don't know if they're going to clean it up for the next game. Um, there, There's something very Yakuza-like to it where you're supposed to be doing something hidden, but it's not hidden in any way whatsoever to the player, but it's hidden to everyone else. Um, oh. it, it's a very Yakuza thing to do. So I don't know if they're going to... I don't know if they will tighten it up yeah. for the next judgment. But yeah. it would be it would be cool if it was tightened up as well. I am open to that. Yeah, I I could see where that would be different. But you know, the games are known for building off of one another, and if there's already a mechanic in place that is good in the developer's eyes, they'd probably just keep it. But I am mm-hmm. for improving different mechanics in the game and just making some things better, if not, you know, different. So I'm open to it. Yeah. If they decide to tighten it up, I'm I'm fine with it. If they don't, then it is what it is. Yeah, totally. Okay. So that was a long tangent. Drone racing. Okay. I, at first, because I was so, what the fuck is this drone? I didn't do drone racing for a while. Same. In the game. Because in my head, the fact I had to do all of these drone searches at KJ Art... I thought it was not necessarily that I, it wasn't I wasn't sold to it because it was unrealistic. It was more like I can't believe they added a drone to this game. Was my was my was the oh, more accurate yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just didn't understand why there was a drone in the first place. It was it was it's as if they the uh, Sega was thinking, "We need to add a drone. I don't know how, but we got to add it." All right. We're going to do drone racing. What's hot right now? Drone what's racing. Hot, what's hot? Drone <laughs> racing. Then when I did it for the first time, I got super addicted to it. Oh, yeah. But I didn't do it until late into the game. And now um, I'm trying to Grand Prix the whole thing. I feel but it. I feel it. I, but I like how fast-paced drone racing is. When I drone race in this game, it feels like I'm playing Wipeout. Oh, yeah. The the um One of the first racing games that came out on PlayStation 1. A high-speed racing game at that. Exactly. And that's what I feel when I do drone racing. And now that I souped up my drone, not, I, like my customization isn't that great because I'm still only at this point on tracks five, but it's getting a lot better and faster and it, I'm getting a lot of adrenaline playing this game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's a great addition. I also joined kind of late. I was kind of on and off with it. Um, I started it because I, you know, you're kind of forced to start it in a way. 
Like, yeah, they, they... you have to do at least one mission with it. Yeah, and that's totally fine. And then I kind of put it off because, one, I wanted to make more friends. And, two, I was trying to do more side cases to make more money and get more SP. And, three... My girlfriend took up too much of my time. I was like, man, I got to go. I got to go date around. I got to go do stuff. And <laughs> Nanami was like, yo, I like drone racing. I'm like, ah, damn it. Okay, I guess we'll do these. So I started and, playing and, that. And then we do anything for Nanami. Exactly. Time, so. Every time I met up with her, I'm like, let's go drone racing. Let's go drone racing. And sure, she was just like, okay, every time we go drone racing, nothing else you want to do. Um, you know, now that I think about it, my spike in drone racing happened after I started dating her. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, it happened for me, too. And I was just like, well, we're going to do this. And I'm just going to play this when, every time I feel like it. And that's what happened. Yes. So, because yeah. she's the best girl. Yeah. She no, gets totally. everything she wants. <laughs> so it got to the point where I ended up winning all of the normal or the, the beginner league. And then uh, the the friend event popped up for Sebastian Hudden, who is like the the drone guy. Um, I'm not even there yet. Uh, oh, well, God. when you get there eventually, he's the drone guy, and he's like, go find all 50 of my QR codes around the city. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so I did that. I found all the parts, but the thing is, y- it doesn't give it to you once you scan all 10 in each section. So there's like, so there's 50 because there's 10 for each of the five sections of the drone. There's like the frame, the ESC, the turbo, the motor, and the and the propellers. And I found all of them. I found all 50. And I was like, all right, what's next? And he's like, well, you still have to collect all these high-quality parts. And I'm like, God, God damn it. And the only way to find them is if you buy them uh, from specific different people. And I'm like, okay. So I did that. And then he's like, well, you need the master blueprints. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I had to yeah. scrounge up all this SP. Uh, first of all, I was already like $2 million into you know investing stuff. And I only, ha- I only had a million dollars left. And I'm like, okay. So I invested my money into the, the Hug Spark drinks, the Hug Bomb drinks on Quickstarter. Yeah. And because if you drink those, they give you SP, but you also have to use them on top of the uh, the growth extract because the growth extract allows you to get more SP. So if you drink the, the bomb drinks while, you're, while you've already had the, the growth extract, of course, you get more SP. So I did that, spent almost all of my money to get these drones the drone parts. I completed the master drone itself, which, by the way, each part costs like upwards of one hundred thousand yen. Um, so I was already like hanging on for dear life with my money, and I'm like, not surprised. Yeah, and I completed the drone, and I, I this is like right before I started the the normal league, by the way. So I had the fastest drone in the game already, joining like the second hardest league, and there were like three. There's four leagues in general. So there's the there's beginner, normal, expert, and championship, and I already had the fastest drone, so I was like speeding ahead of everyone in every race. The shitty part about this drone is, even though it's the fastest and the best drone, arguably, the and, handles aren't good, aren't they? No, no, no. It's not the handling. It's the durability. Oh, actually, the handling's C grade. Like the 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 best for everything is S, of course. Um, a being pretty good, and everything for the best drone is A. The durability is fifty, which at this point, for any drone, should be upwards of like 160, 175. Um, no, I'm sorry, like 140 is like the best durability. Uh, so the drone has maximum speed, maximum turbo, um, but the handling is not very good. It's like a C grade, and the boost is. No, not sorry, not the boost. 
The handling is pretty good, but the the handling is pretty bad, and the durability is the worst. So you have a really fast drone, but it could crash really easily. Um, As, yeah, if you can't, if you miss that turn and you crash, it could really affect your health. Totally. So my recommendation for you, Elisa, is for the f so each each lead. Dude, I don't even know if I want to collect all those QR codes. You don't have to do it, but. My advice to you or anyone that's listening, if they're you're still stuck on the drone races, for the first two races of each Grand Prix, it's like a loop, and then there's like a loop with a slight turn. Use the fastest drone you have for that, and then for every other race after that, for the three other races after that, use one that has good handling, if you can, because... Yeah, those those turns are hard, especially when you're going through the cafe and if you're going underground oh, inside. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, and so it gets it only gets faster and faster. So by the championship league, even though I had the fastest drone, I was actually struggling a lot. Um because I there was there was like a there was always faster drones than me, even though I had the fastest drone in the game. These other drones were still beating me, and I'm like, holy shit. So I had to literally take shortcuts in the course, like, you know, going under certain objects or Ugh. taking certain shortcuts in the championship league. And that, it was bad. It was really bad. Even though I had the fastest drone, it was still terrible. It's a, It gets really difficult when your drone goes a lot faster, especially if there's no handles. Completely understand what you're talking about. Um, even in Beginners, when there was a scene where you had to go through millennium tower i forgot which track it was but it was the first time that you're not just going in a circle and you have to go through the revolving door it's like three four or five i know like three is like the cafe i think four and five go through millennium tower at different okay. points yeah that 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 in itself took a few tries for me to get yeah uh i like the first two laps of that race, I would always mess up. And by the third lap, I would always do it really well. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Aww. I was still in first place on some races, but sometimes it would cost me first place because I would crash into a wall and then I would end up crashing into a door because, I don't know, the physics were just kind of weird. Or, yeah. Or maybe it was just my control scheme or my thumb slipping. But I don't know. There's a, a myriad of excuses that I could make. But regardless, yeah, I, I do feel your pain. Yeah. It's really fun though, but I don't I don't think I'm going to make it to the to the big leagues. It's all good. Um especially if I have to do all that collecting cuz I've I've seen YouTube videos about the collect like I've seen the QR codes and then I've seen a few YouTube videos about the collecting. I'm just like, "Oh, god." Yeah, halfway through I had to look up a guide because I was just I was at the point where I was just kind of fed up with looking around and I kept getting stopped by different yakuza and the damn event where the the Kahin gang comes and stops Bruh, you okay uh, well before that let me just say i have a hot tip for you um if you are tired of the yakuza chasing you there's an extract you can make that stops them from like it reduces oh, yeah. their numbers right so, i use that all the time so you don't have to do that i found out another hot tip that you could do so if you see any yakuza in front of you or in the distance or anywhere in your frame you can pull out your drone really quickly and fly it, take flight, and they'll disappear. Like, they'll literally disappear from that section until you run nice. into them again. Yeah, so you don't have to make the extract. You don't have to waste your materials. You can That's use really those. Nice. Yeah, you can use them for drone parts or something or whatever. Um, but 
yeah, just a hot tip for you and anyone that's listening that doesn't like running into the Yakuza on the streets, you can literally just press start, go into your menu, click on drone, click on flight. When you see your drone pop up and you see the Yakuza in front of you, they'll instantly disappear. Just press circle and then X and you'll go back to playing as Yagami. And yeah, no, it, it takes a lot longer and costs nothing. That's good to know. Yeah, but it was a hassle dealing with the KN gang, which is one of my least favorite side missions or side quests that they added was the fact that this that Kim just couldn't get his shit together and everyone kept attacking his friends. Yeah, no, there's like straight up five times when Kim sent the same text to me. He's like, my, they beat my friend black and blue. I'm like, okay, how many times is your damn friend going to get in trouble with these guys? And how many damn times is your friend going to live through this? She's, shouldn't he be dead by now? And why are they still a problem? I've, I've kicked their asses like 50 times already. Oh, my God. I know. It was really, it was really frustrating. There was a point where he was he sent a message in the middle of me on a quest to do a mission and then conveniently one of the gang leaders was in my path and i had to fight him as as you know as that message was being sent mhm and i i kind of flipped cuz i didn't want to fight him and you know you have to cuz i just happened to run into him uh it's the worst yeah i know that was definitely one of my least favorite parts of the game i think how that could have been improved on is if they did it in kind of the same way that they did with yakuza 6 and maybe kiwami or not it's not necessarily like a team brawl but it's more like a if i fought kahan gang members it would be when i decide to kind of enter that mini game if that makes sense yeah. Like, I, I can activate whenever I want to fight them, not just every 20 minutes they come back. Uh, yeah, I would rather have it be a player's choice than something that happens in the world all the time. Because, honestly, like, after I do it, I kind of dread it because it just makes yes. getting everywhere inconvenient. I dread it all the time. I'm like, like oh, my God, whenever I, I leave somewhere or so, do leave doing something... I'm always dreading, huh, who's this from? I'm like, God damn it. Okay, Yagami, you should know who it's from by now, first of all. I know. <laughs> and second of all, <laughs> you don't have you to. You should know. Yeah, you should know. He. I wish he could just be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to do it. And then the guys just don't show up. Um, <laughs> so did you unlock all of the bosses in the Kahin gang? I'm pretty sure that I did. So there's four of them, right? Yeah. God, the guy, Koga, he's the worst. Because when he activate when he activates his his uh his rage mode like he pulls out two guns and just starts shooting you and, and it really it really sucks because it pulls down your meter right and so oh my the god first time that i found out that guns can pull down your meter and wound you i i actually screamed out loud because i wasn't expecting that i was like i think yeah me too i was like are you fucking kidding me i said that out loud i was like oh my yeah. god <laughs> I don't remember which mission it was. I just, but I just remember someone had a gun, and then suddenly I was wounded, and I flipped out because I was because my first thought was I don't even think I'm at the boss, and I don't think I have any medical kits right now because I didn't think I had to deal with this shit. No, for real though, like um, it's the worst, especially when you're fighting the Kahin gang members and. You know, they, they get a lucky hit on you and you're like, God damn it. Now I have to go to the doctor and I have to get a checkup and it's going to cost me 200,000 or no, I'm sorry, not 200,000, two, 
20,000 yen to get this damn checkup. And yeah, no, it's like, especially Honda, like in the beginning, Honda would give you mortal runes left and right. Oh, and I'm like, oh God. But now, now he's easy. He's, they're just an inconvenience. The whole Kahin gang situation is just an inconvenience. I dread it every time it comes up, and I, I dread it every time it ends because I'm like, I know it's gonna happen again. I really I wish, I really wish you could turn it off, but you can't. And it's always there. Really, what should have happened was after you get to the final one, then it stops completely. Yeah. Similar to how Cabaret Club and how the real estate game worked where you just keep increasing and then you get to the final one and then it, it you're done and then you get a trophy like that that's really how it should be yeah no i agree cuz honestly at this point after doing it so many times they don't really give you that much sp first of all and second of all they don't. they're annoying and third of all they're just punching bags they're just practice for you because yeah. my yagami right now is pretty souped up like he's got a max of a lot of different like skill sets from different SPs that I've been collecting. And yeah, it's, he's just, he's so strong that like, it doesn't kill them immediately because their health bars raise every time you meet a new damn boss. Um, with Sakakiba with his, like he's got blue health bar and I'm pretty sure Koga at this point for me has a purple health bar, which means that there's like five other health bars I have to go through. And by the third one, he's going to get his rage mode activated and he's going to shoot me with his two damn guns. And Oh my God. Yeah. It's, uh, Talking about it just makes me angry. It stresses me out. <laughs> probably. Probably. So, I don't even know, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. I can only guess and assume based on previous other Yakuza experiences like this. Uh, but, yeah, no, that that whole thing is just, it's not fun. Triggered. For real. Triggered. For real. Um, so, going off of that... Uh, have you played the Dyson Cube mini game aside from the time that you're forced to play? I don't play. play I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I don't like playing gambling games in RGG games. Oh, not not the not the casino. I mean like the board game. Oh, I don't play board games either. You didn't want to play the virtual reality one? Oh, sorry. For some reason I was thinking of Shogi. I don't I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't play either of those either. I I don't like playing I don't like playing Shogi and I don't like playing uh Mahjong. Uh, Fuck Mahjong. Yeah, Mahjong and and the casino stuff. I don't I, they're not, I'm not a huge fan of either of those Yeah, things. I never play that shit. I swear. Um so the dice rolling game I've played a few times and it's kind I feel like it's another example of oh what's hot what's oh. cool <laughs> oh augmented reality and then they added it and then once again I was triggered yeah because I was like oh my god VR they're trying to make VR and AR a thing that being said because this is something that I can choose to do I don't mind it as much I I I played it mostly because like sometimes I got play cards and I actually think it's I since you get quite a few things from it, I don't partic I'm not particularly com- completely hating it. Don't get me wrong, I don't play it that much. I don't think it's really worth it still, but I don't think it's that bad compared to a few other things. I see. No, that you have every right. You have every right to think that because I was at that point too when I was just like, okay, what is the point of this? Why do I need this? Because it's a gimmick. Exactly. Like but I had a change of heart, 
and now it's like one of the only things I play. And here's why. Uh, I sound like a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I've been playing it a lot because it makes you a lot of money. Um, if you go to Quickstarter, you'll see yes, that. Th- it's one of it's one of the few. Th- like I admit that even though I don't like playing it that much, it gets you a lot. And that and if you get free, uh, and if sometimes you get free play passes, it's like why not? So that's the other thing too. There's a limited amount of free play passes you can get in the game that you don't have to buy. Um, but if you complete a certain amount of requirements, you can get an unlimited free play pass and you can keep going back as much as you want and getting as much money as you want. And they made it very, very hard for you to get this free play pass because basically there's three different segments of the Dyson Cube minigame. There's, of course, the short, there's the middle, and there's the long. The long section will make you upwards of 2 million yen from one playthrough, which lasts 15 minutes. And, of course, Mm -hmm. the developers are like, well, we don't want to give the players too much power and too much money because that would take too much time. So let's make it hard for them to get this unlimited play pass. And I got to tell you, I got that free play pass. It was not easy, though. I had to do a lot of shit uh, to get this free play pass. And it was also extremely expensive. So because I'm in the end game now, I had a lot of time to do this. So there's six parts to the play pass. The first part is you have to beat the home run challenge in the batting center. And not just that. And I hate batting. Not. <laughs> it's not just that. Once you beat that and the regular challenge mode, Yoshida, the owner of Yoshida's batting cages, will come to you and be like, hey, I see you've been doing well. Why don't you do my extremely hard home run challenge? And then you're like, okay. So you have to do that to get part of the free play pass. And it's so hard. Oh, my God. It took me forever because I had to memorize. Thank you. (laughs) I had to memorize the pitches because the pitches are always the same sequentially. They always like every round you do each each segment of the difficulty in the batting center, it's always the same. And I did it and I completed it and I was like, oh my God, is this even worth it? And so I looked up the other requirements how to get the other free play passes. There's six pieces in total, by the way. The sixth piece is you have to win the championship drone league, which is so hard, by the way. Even though I again, because I had the fastest drone didn't mean that I had the fastest time in the league. Because there were always other faster drones. Why is there so much that you have to do that's interconnected with each other? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand either. But here's the thing. So I completed. I, I became the drone champion, thankfully. I, I fucked up so many times in the championship league. I had to replay the whole championship league at least four times. And on the fourth time, I got fifth and fourth place on a couple of races. I'm like, well, this is it. I'm screwed. I'm just going to keep playing until I you know, until I win. Luckily, I got second and first place in the last two races, and that bumped me up to have the most points, and I got the championship, and I got the sixth piece. So the second piece you have to buy from Onodera in the sewers, which is like 4,500 SP, and at this point, I didn't have enough money, and I didn't have enough SP, and so I was running around beating the Kahin gang every 20 minutes to get the SP on top of trying to do random little shit in my little Kumurugo app to see that I didn't oh, do. God. So I would get perpetually drunk at the bars because I was trying to complete them, and so Yagami would just be drunk every 20 minutes because he was trying to wear off the uh the alcohol because it was always at level nine i'm like damn it i gotta I got reduce it so i'd run around beat up a bunch of guys go back to the bar drink some I'd complete the bar and be like damn it i gotta keep drinking um so i got the sp and then i found out that the other three 
parts of the free play pass, you have to buy them from the casinos. There's three casinos in Komorocho. There's Lamont, which is in the koi, koi fishing spot. And there's two in the Dragon Palace. There's like the Shogi one, and then there's the other one above it, the card one. And the play passes, they're around 10,000 chips each. Mind you, that's like 100... That's 100,000... Sorry, it's 100,000 chips. No, it's 10,000 chips, and each... Each set of 1,000 chips costs 100,000 yen, which is... I'm already stressed thinking about this. Basically, I had to spend $3 million. Oh, God. And before that, I invested all my money, literally all of it, into getting the middle play course in the Dyson Cube area. And I used whatever play passes I had left, the limited amount, as long as along with my limited amount of money, to keep going back and forth between the middle course and buying the free play passes until I completed all six pieces of the free play pass. Went to Dyson Cube and was like, "Okay, just give me this is all, this is my shit." And then she's like, "All right, I'm confirmed that your free and limited play pass is now acceptable here." And then you just, I just kept going back and getting more money to buy more SP. I'm sorry, getting more money to to buy the spark drinks so I can get more SP to fund back into Quickstarter. <laughs> so you can see you can see my whole methodology in this whole thing. So I can basically eventually get the long course. And I finally did. And let me tell you, Lisa, with all that said, the long course is actually worth it because what happens is in a nutshell, you you start the long course. You, you roll your dice, um, and when you catch up with this character named King Koronyan, he's like this golden cat. When you catch him, every time you stop at a certain point, basically there's this like mode that's activated, activated when you meet him. It's called Koronyan mode. And when you stop at a certain point three times after you roll the dice, you get to do special bonus activities in the board game and then net you more money. And so... Every time you do all three activities, you can get a million, a million yen, and at that point you can just go for the wow. exit. But if you stop at, if you stop at a fighting battle sequence, there could be a character that's gold, and if you beat the gold character, another Koronyan king will appear on the board, and that's another chance for you to get another million. And it, sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. But there are, have been a couple times, and I got really lucky, and I would leave that course with 2 million yen in my pocket and I'm like holy shit this is actually really good because I can buy more money to get I can not buy more money I can use more my money to buy more spark bombs to get more SP to fund the quick starter to get the to get more SP <laughs> and so Okay that's yeah I got to admit that's pretty that's pretty good Yeah and so that's the best way to that's get so long-winded though It is and in my mind thinking about it it just makes me tired and I'm finally glad I did it because now I'm at the point in the end game where I can do whatever I want with a lot, <laughs> with a lot of money. Um, hey, why yeah. not? I kind of breezed over what I'm doing in the end game, and I want to talk about what we're both doing in the end game later. Um, but to build off of that in a certain way, I want to talk about the friends mechanic in the game because part of the friends mechanic is you know knowing Onodera to get the the part of the the piece the the play pass piece and also getting you know the drone parts um so my question for you elisa is do you have any favorite friends in the game um 
I can't think uh, off, the, off the top of my head um, some of the memorable friends, but I liked the... Um, I, I liked the friends that were more on the sentimental side, not so much the friends like, I need to help to sell something at my store or thanks mm-hmm. for supporting my store all the time. Like For for example, uh, one of my favorite friends was the guy who makes desserts who came from Kyoto and you just had to help defend his store. But for some reason, I felt very warm towards it because like... It, like I liked throughout that random story how the Yakuza who keep trying to break his store are just like, oh, your dessert really is that good. Yeah. And it was just really cute. No, it was adorable. Every time you went over there, you're like, the Yakuza are still bugging you. And those guys kept coming back even though they know that Yagami is going to kick their asses. <laughs> and then, Yeah, and then suddenly it's just like, yeah you do have good desserts. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> the, I know. There's a lesson learned at the end. And I was just like, There's oh. a lesson learned. But oh. yeah, that's pre- that's kind of like the, you know, like an example of the of the ones that I liked. The ones that were much more um, friendship-like and cute. No, that's fair. Um, the most memorable ones for me were uh, the ones that were practical. Oh, sorry. And then another memorable one was that fucking guy with the wig because oh, God. that wig never stayed on his head. That's it. That's he, all I got to say. And he, I'm not uh, going to say anything else. I know. I feel it. He definitely wasn't one of my favorites. Like, he was terrible. Yeah. Um, I, 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 There's nothing else for me to say. My, I have a couple favorites. And one of them is Kenny Tanago, Mr. Try and Hit Me. Not because of the way that you play against him. It's more. I did like him, though. It's more of like whenever I got into a fight in town, he was always there to help me. He was, it was him or Ryan the ninja, but fucking Ryan the ninja. I don't like Ryan the ninja because he never helped me during the fight. He would always stay in the back and throw flash grenades that did nothing except yeah. except stun them. And he always had a sword out. I'm like, yo, dude, you got a sword? Help me! Like you, I don't have a weapon. You have a weapon. And there was there were times when he would jump in and start slashing at them. I'm like, oh, this is dope. Okay, sweet. But then. He would, he would step back and throw more grenades. I'm like, dude, Mr. Try and Hit Me is a lot more useful than you because Mr. Try and Hit Me would just jump in there and start punching at dudes and like slam dudes down. I'm like, yo, this is legit. Mr. Try and Hit Me is awesome. Um, so he's one of my favorites because he definitely helped me a lot. Um, another one that's one of my favorites is Amemiya, the 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 masseuse, the from from Dotonbury. Mm. I loved her because she would just charge up your your uh, ex boost gauge all the way up and um she's from dodonbury and that's like the only reference we got in the game to that sector yeah so i'm like i guess we're never gonna see this until yakuza whatever so <laughs> yeah so those are my two favorites for sure my one thing about the friends mechanic is i didn't realize until a little bit halfway through that you did not get salary um investigations unless you had a certain amount of friends but but it was really hard getting that certain amount of friends i think i said this on a previous podcast but i was stuck on 23 for a long time oh yeah i feel it because i was because i didn't know who i was supposed to be friends with at that point but i i mean i i got up to i think 30 37 i think i'm at 37 nice so yeah you yeah there's 50 total so you've a long way to go 
Mm, I see. There's some interesting and funny stories. Some of them are just, there's, since there's so many, some of them are just not memorable to me. Some of them are more like, you supported my store. Now we're friends. Yeah, I'm like, okay, is that so easy? I want to go outside and do that right now. Just go make friends with people. Yeah. <laughs> go to my local neighborhood store and be like, yo, I want to help you be my friend. And they're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you. Um. So, yeah, um, let's talk about endgame stuff. Uh, what are you doing right now that the game has ended? Well, right now I'm doing drone racing, which I talked about. And then um, I'm just trying to ma- see all the friends that I still want to be friends with. And um, just because I did it for every Yakuza that I've done so far, uh, what I like to do in my final boss battle the first time I play is mm-hmm. I just kind of play and j- and see with my skills what I'm capable of and how far I can go. And then now what I want to do is time the final boss battle with Kurioa and see how fast I could beat him. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I like I like doing that for each final boss. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That sounds pretty awesome too. Like you're just utilizing the skills that you have for that. Yes. And yeah, um that's basically all I'm doing at this moment. Cool. Yeah. What are you up to? I as I mentioned before, I'm doing the Dyson Cube stuff, getting a bunch of money and just trying to spend it on more SP so I can mm-hmm. get finish all the uh skills in my skill tree. I completed the green section which is like like unlock stuff by the way there's a there's a skill you can unlock that slows down the dice in the dice and cube mini game so that you could see exactly which number you want and it helps so oh, much okay. yeah uh, i forgot to mention this but in the dice and cube mini game there's a little purple cat that's the opposite of the king and if he if he lands on you or because he'll chase you kind of and if he lands on your space he will take all of your items, thus taking all of your money away in the game. And you, I see. you have to find him, get it back, and if you beat him, you also get uh, your um, you get a bon- you get all your items back, and you get a little you get a little bonus on top of that. Um, That's pretty cool. And he disappears from the board. So yeah, um, so I've been living the retired life, you know, just making a bunch of money, walking around, um, trying to complete all the friends. Right now, I am on two more friends left in the game. Uh, I have the Mahjong Girl, which means I'm playing a lot of Mahjong, actually. I've been learning. I've been, for me, it's kind of relearning Mahjong. I actually used to learn or used to know how to play it in real life. We, had, I had a friend who was really into it in college, and he would come over to uh, my place, and we would play Mahjong together. And it was actually a lot of fun learning how to play it. You definitely need more four people to play it. It's not a two-person game. You mm-hmm. you need four people because you have to switch tiles between each other every so often. Um, yeah. And so when I picked it up back again in this game, I was like, holy shit, I don't remember how to play it. And then reading the rule book, I was like, oh, okay. There's different ways to win. Basically, at a, at a high level, easy to understand part of it, Mahjong is you have to get four sets of either sequential numbers, so like one, two, or three, or or of the same suit face, so if it's like three, three, three. 
basically like poker kind of form yeah exactly and then you also have to have a snake eyes a like a double of the same suit in your in your hand while you're playing at the very end of each round um the rule book by the way in the game is 30 pages long and i was like holy shit i took me at least 30 minutes to read the whole thing um wow you read the whole thing I didn't read read it. Like, there's some parts I'm like, okay, I already know what this is. And then I just skipped through it. Because um, I learned the terms in Chinese. I didn't learn the terms in Japanese. So I had to figure out what those were. Um, so it was kind of a refresher for me. And it was kind of cool to play it again. Uh, it kind of makes me want to buy a Mahjong set myself. But I don't have anyone that I know that plays the game in real life. So I'm like, it's kind of a waste of money. I'll just play my digital free version of it. Um, so right now, I'm trying to complete her storyline and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna get 10,000 sp go to the sewers buy the nine gates tile from onodera go show up to her spot and be like yo i won just give me the friendship <laughs> and then just leave um the second part of that is my the last friend after her is the poker girl basically the voluptuous woman as they call her in the game and she's part of playing poker and i don't like playing poker in general and i don't like playing poker digitally so I've been putting off her friendship because I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So working on friends, just playing dice and cube to get a bunch of money to buy more SP to finish the friends. Once I finish the friends, I think I'm going to move on to another game. Nice. So yeah, living the it retired really, life. It makes me really sad because I, because this game was my summer and now that this game is over, it fe it feels like my summer is officially over. Yeah, I I could feel that. Like, we both know it's gonna be fall soon. Like, we could definitely feel it, and it's kind of sad knowing that the heat will go away. It'll get colder, and for us, even though Yakuza, even though not Yakuza, even though Judgment was set in December, which all Yakuza games are, it still felt like summer to me. Yeah, it really did. And knowing that I'm going to leave this game makes me sad as well because it means that, you know, summer's coming to an end. So I definitely feel you there. Yeah, but I will say this was an excellent game. I very much enjoyed playing it. Yeah, my only two gripes are it didn't have karaoke and I wish that you could go to a different city, a new city, because last time we had um, Onomichi. Oh, yeah. And, oh, which, by the way, there was that Onomichi side quest. That was the only character that overlapped between two games, Yakuza 6 and Judgment. And, but even though he wasn't a main character, he was literally the only character that was shared between the two franchises. Or, not franchises, I'd say the two different games. Um, I know. In the same franchise, so... Yeah, I thought that was a hilarious thing. They can't. There are different references to Kiryu throughout the whole game. Like they're like, well, you can't be that guy, or this is a reference to the most legendary Yakuza in all of Kamurocho. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, still, damn, the model is still there. I was like, I was half expecting that you would dress up as him. I know. I was preparing for it, or I was preparing that Kaito would actually dress up as it. For some reason, it it felt like some random character was gonna come in and dress. Yeah, but yeah. It, it did not end that way. It ended with slippers. Ha ha ha. Yeah, his cool fisherman boots or whatever. Yep. <laughs> and a pair of bathroom slippers. Yep. 
man, that was that was a pretty cool detective scene. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite side quests. Now that I think about it, I liked I liked that there were four people and you had to figure out what was going on. Yeah, because like it definitely put your detective chops up to up to your skill. And even Yagami was like, "This is like one of those TV detective dramas." I was just like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> it is." Come I know. On. Don't break the fourth wall yet. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. With karaoke, it's kind of like. How are you going to have girlfriends and not have karaoke? I'm not going to go into that because I will <laughs> probably um, express a lot of exp- expl- expletives if I did that. And yeah, that I'm just, why? Just why? But why? Anyways, just why? Yeah. No, I, I really wanted there to be karaoke. I was half expecting them to have it. I feel Seriously. like now they're going to, now they have to do it because the outrage was pretty significant with why was there no karaoke. And then I feel like it also, I feel like this game introduces a lot for the next game. One of them being, I feel like now you got to have karaoke. Second one being now that they've gave, given you a glimpse of playing with salary. And now that you know that salary is a hot girl, it's kind of like they might introduce a hostess game or something of that degree where you're actually playing as her, which I think would be cool because it's always the opposite. Yeah, I would really like that. Never that perspective. And then, you know, I don't know how I, I, I'm sure there's a lot to integrate with this. It would be really cool if um, I played on normal, so I don't know if they do this for hard, but it would be cool if for hard, there were actually a lot of, consequences if you answered something wrong it wasn't as for example it wasn't as forgiving and you can actually fail a mission because you answered a question wrong Mm, yeah i don't know if they do it for hard but i think they should do it for something like hard mode yeah i i haven't played on any higher difficulty than normal same i don't have any interest in it because i don't know maybe maybe i I will but i don't really see any benefit because i already in my eyes already completed the game Unless I wanted, like, the legendary trophy or whatever. Yeah. It would be cool if the next sequel ha- made the multiple choice um, lead to failed missions if you did something wrong. Yeah. No, I... Just to make it harder. I would I would be open to that. Yeah. Something else I would like to see in a sequel to this game would be some a little bit of more overlap with the yakuza world meaning like i want to see a couple of other characters from the yakuza franchise not i keep saying yakuza franchise from the yakuza game series it is a franchise yakuza yakuza has had six games going on seven it is a franchise yeah but like judgment is part of that franchise and even though it's a spin-off i still consider it part of the canon of that universe um yeah but in any case, I would like to see at least one or two characters play a role in the next Judgment game from the Yakuza series. Not, I'm not saying like a huge role. Like I don't want to see Majima just come out of nowhere and be like, "Hey, I want to help you out through your whole story." I want him to just like you know be kind of be like an advisor, a special guest, if you will. Um, I see. Just something to like directly tie into the whole Yakuza world because although this definitely had a lot of similarities and connections to that universe, I want to see more of that. Um, and not in a blatant in your face way, but more of a subtle way. 
I'm sure they could figure it out. And if they don't do it, I'm totally fine with it. But I mean, yeah, I feel like it's going to be inevitable. Now, I'm the opposite. I would be content with there never being a Yakuza cameo in this universe. Uh, yeah, that's fine too. Yeah, just because I think it's I think what was great about this game was that there was no cameo and there was still such a strong cast that you could rely on that it almost that it was very inspiring and encouraging that you know, they can continue doing this and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, no. I I see that side of the coin as well. But what if in what if they do a reverse like in Yakuza 7 and when you're Ichiban, you go to you can go past by Yagami Detective Agency and you like meet Kaito or something? Like how would you feel about that? That would be really interesting, but isn't Yakuza 7 also in Yokohama? It's also in Komurocho. Oh, it's just one of the cities that you can go to? I believe it takes place in both because the advertisements heavily feature it in both cities. Okay. I don't know. I I know it mostly takes place in Yokohama, but I think in true Yakuza fashion, they'll have another city for you to visit. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't mind if Ichiban never met Yagami and vice versa, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't think they'll. I don't think the main characters will ever meet. I think it's always going to be the sub characters meeting each other. Um, for example, like if Ichiban met Kaito, or if Yagami met, I don't know some some Yakuza side characters. I don't know, but yeah, it would be it would be cool. But again, it's not really a what's it called? It's not really an important thing. That would be I I don't mind I definitely don't mind a cameo though. Yeah, it would be dope. I'm sure they'll if they made a cameo they would do something fun to integrate it. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. Definitely. I hope all of our listeners who played this game had a good time playing it. Yeah, this podcast is going to be like 2 hours long, so we definitely had a good time playing it and talking about it. Yeah, there's probably there's there's a lot to cut down. There was a, there was a lot of things that there's a lot of things that need to be cut. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, if you have a question about this podcast or for us directly, you can go to www.downtime.live, click on the contact button. It'll take you to a form that you can fill out. Send us information that way you can also send us an email directly at contact at downtime.live you can also go to our website click on the left hand side where it says join our community click on the word community that'll take you to a link to join our discord where we talk about everything and anything yakuza related but also stuff about terrace house stardew valley anime life advice i don't know anything and everything that you want to talk about we will be there to answer it almost immediately so uh, you can find us there. And you can also go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, leave us a review. We'll read it on the podcast. Go to anywhere that ha- that has a comment that you can leave us, YouTube, Stitcher, and uh, we'll read it on the podcast if you leave us a comment there. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Anything else before we close out, Elisa? Nope. That's it. 
Cool. Well, thanks for yep. listening to the 118th episode of Downtime Podcast, the Judgment Spoiler Cast. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs>